That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. UVA okay. football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. All right, everyone, and welcome back to the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin. It is Sunday night, and we are excited to talk about basketball this episode. Woo! How do you feel, Rob? Well, we got to talk a little football, too, I guess. That's fine. But, but- basketball <laughs> is big, and it is finally here. We, I mean, first game's Tuesday. It's in two days. Yeah, but it is literally basketball season. Yeah. And, and it's also football season. The football team, you know, kind of a laden egg last on friday but we'll talk about that for a little bit but we will talk about basketball so we're not going to go through a whole acc schedule like we did with the non-conference we might do that later in the year but right now we're going to focus more on the players we're going to focus more on what we think they can bring and we are going to give out some awards tonight too some preseason uva awards very prestigious straight from the guys and ties yeah but rob i want you to start off with kind of your your thoughts on the football game and what happened that you think really lost us the game? Yeah. You know, I think, I think it's depth up front and I think that's really most of what happened. You know, I honestly thought Robert and I called a really good game, especially in the first half, you know, guys were running open. We saw the touchdown to Terrell Jana, but we missed some throws. We dropped some passes, you know, Chris Sharp, you got to catch that ball. So you had that. And offensively, we obviously didn't execute. But where we lost the game was on the defense. And especially in the second half, you know, Pitt threw for just 61 yards. It was just 61 yards. That's, that's all they could do. Their quarterback isn't overly impressive, but their running game is. I think I read somewhere four of the five offensive line starters were seniors you know, a very, very powerful running back. We held our own in the first half, but in the second half, especially after Mandy Alonso went down, especially when Joey Blunt and Juan Thornhill, two guys who are plus against the run, went down, you know, we just didn't have the horses to keep up with them. It was like Mike London was coaching the Pittsburgh Panthers. You know, they ran it up the middle every <laughs> single time, and we couldn't stop them. Yeah, except and it worked. It was... <laughs> It did work. And, and and part of the reason why it worked is what you were saying is that, you know, they had really good push up front and were able to, you know, get those yards. And, you know, the weather didn't help us at all. The penalties didn't help. But I think the injuries were the, the main thing that killed us that night. You know, we lost Mandy Alonzo. And after that, it kind of spiraled out of control. Yeah, you know, we play with really four guys on the defensive line. But Jordan Redman hadn't played in three games. But he had to play because we just didn't have a choice. So then it's really Mandy Alonzo, Aaron Famui, Jordan Redmond, and uh, 
shoot. Uh, Dylan Thompson. Dylan, oh, Dylan Thompson had to play, which was the problem. A sighting of <laughs> Dylan Thompson. And Eli Handback. And Eli Handback played a pretty good game. But when Mandy Alonzo went down, two of the three guys in our rotation, our real rotation, excluding Dylan Thompson, were freshmen. And it's just, we tried. Yeah, but, I mean, at the end of the day, we only had 44 rushing yards, and they had 254. Bryce Perkins had negative seven, and that includes sacks, but... I mean, we if we're gonna we're a rushing team at heart, yeah, and if we, we if we can't get the rushing game going, then we're not gonna have a good time. I mean, Bryce Perkins had a good game throwing the ball. He was seven of or sorry, seventeen of twenty four, two hundred five yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. But he he didn't get a lot of help from his receivers. Mm-hmm. The ball, the field conditions were not great for passing, uh, to be fairly honest. And the running game really should have been better. But it was not. Uh, only three people rushed the ball. Jordan Ellis had 10 carries. Alameda had one carry. And Bryce Perkins tried for 15 times to carry the ball. Uh, only got negative seven yards. So, I don't know. I, I think that maybe the offensive line could have gotten a better push. I think that we maybe could have tried maybe like a sweep or a, a pitch. But mm-hmm. once again, the field conditions were... The field was soggy. Like, there was standing water on the field the entire game. Uh, and the middle of the field was just chewed out. So yeah, I mean, you were there. Like yeah. it was pretty crazy, right? No, it was nuts. Like we, we, me and my dad and some other people were walking to the game, and all of a sudden, uh, my clothes are wet. And it, <laughs> it, I stood up for like most of the first half because there was still water streaming down the stands, and my seat was wet. It was soaking wet. Like I brought a towel, but it, the towel got soaked through my poncho, and <laughs> I couldn't wipe anything down. So luckily, I had a plastic bag for my phone but it's clutch geez like the there was sta- there was puddles of water on the field so it, it was not conducive to a, a fast quick run game. yeah i mean that's i felt like i said at the beginning of the show and i'll still say this i felt like nye called a really good game at least in the first half you know mm-hmm. people were open but at the same time now you have to think about it, it's like well maybe we should have focused on the run game more maybe the path was more how do we get more creative in the ground game than it was? How do we get more creative through the air? Yeah. You know, Jordan Ellis had 10 carries for 46 yards, not overly impressive. Bryce Perkins had 15 carries, but couldn't really get anything going. You know, it's one of those things where maybe we try more sweeps with Alameda and or maybe with Lamont uh, Atkins, maybe with Tavares Kelly. Maybe we could have gotten more creative. At the end of the day, I still think this came down to the defense just didn't have the horses up front to compete, especially as it kept wearing down. And you know, it, it sucks. Like we, of course, we would play a power rushing team on the one time that it there's a torrential downpour and it plays right into their hands. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I'm not too down about this game. This was a game we knew that this was a team, a Pittsburgh team that was really good. Uh, they had lost a couple close games to really good teams. One of them is Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. The other was Pitt, Penn State, you know, who got crushed, but it's still a good team. And yeah, then there was UCF. Also UCF. So I they lost to, well, they also lost to UNC. But UNC's only win, <laughs> which is kind of funny. I know, but at the same time, they've played really good football this year, and we were kind of coming off this win where we got bowl eligible. Um, we were at the top of the conference. We were ranked for the first time in you know, God knows how many years since 2011, mm-hmm. I think the emotions kind of got the best of it. You can see that from the early penalties that we got to in the first half, the the emotional penalties. Yeah. I think that this team wasn't mentally prepared. And I think Bronco said something similar to that in his post-game conference, that he and the staff didn't do a good job of preparing the players. 
mentally to play this game. Yeah, and it's it's hard to really prepare for that. You know, it's not like our guys are ranked very often. No. You know, it's the first time they've been ranked since 2011. Right. Like, it's just slowly building steps. And you got to learn how to deal with success and how to handle that and not let it get in your head. And again, I think this came down way more to just not having the guys up front, especially at the mm-hmm. end. But at the same time, hopefully this was a learning experience because now, you know, they've played one game ranked, which is one more game than anybody on this team has ever played ranked mm-hmm. at Virginia. The the atmosphere of the game was really, really cool, though, because at the start of the game, it was still raining really hard, and there was probably only like 25,000, 30,000 people in the game for the start, but they were making a lot of noise. They were happy to be there. The players were happy to be there. They were hyped up, but of course, that led to a couple penalties, but you know, the, the fans were really excited for the team, and the students were really excited, too. There's a lot of students who came out like kind of after the rain went away, they were sliding down the hill. The cops came. They shut that down. But it was a shame because I, I was enjoying watching <laughs> it. But, you know, I think the fans were having fun, even though it was raining and it didn't end so well. But in the first half, when we were playing well, we didn't have a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. It was a good time. We were playing good football, and the fan base was excited. So yeah. I hope that, you know, we've got one more game against Liberty this year. And I hope the fan base shows up for that game. I know it's not like a power conference team, but I think that this team deserves it. And I think that we should show our appreciation for how well they've been doing this year. Yeah. And I mean, Liberty, it's the first time in a long time we've scheduled a non-conference game in November and hopefully it comes at a really good time for us. You know, there were a lot of injuries on Friday night and quite frankly, we're not going to know really the extent of some of those injuries until tomorrow, Monday, uh, with Bronco Mendenhall's press conference when he can talk about it and we'll see the depth chart. So all we know is that some guys were in crutches, some guys were in walking boots. You know, hopefully this comes at a good time where if we need to give players a little bit of a rest or break, it's against an opponent who will allow that to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, you know, We've kind of transitioned to the point now where Pitt is the favorite in the Coastal. It's going to mm-hmm. take a lot for someone other than Pitt to win the Coastal at this point. So let's get healthy and let's try to take care of business against Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech. And, you know, I was hearing a lot of stuff from other fans or people on Twitter about how, like, oh, this is like a typical UVA team where we have the prime time and we get, like, we, we didn't get crushed and we did lose in prime time, but... This was not a team that was expected to make a bowl at the start of the season. So where they are now, based on where everyone thought they would be, is a huge improvement. And I think people should be really super proud of this team because of what they've been able to do. This this is not a disappointment. I mean, it was too bad that we lost, but I think that most people would not have given them a chance at the beginning of the season to win that game. So I'm proud of this team. I'm not too upset about the loss yeah i mean if as long as guys can get back healthy you know there's no reason you can't compete with georgia tech there's no reason you can't compete with virginia tech virginia yeah. tech lost to boston college this weekend again boston college is a good team but there's no reason you shouldn't be able to win any game that's left on the schedule liberty you know they just opened the line for that i think it was 24 and a half mm-hmm. points uva is favored it's a little ambitious but it's just, it's a very winnable game and then georgia tech you know the triple option is hard, but as long as we got our guys up front and Chris Peace and uh, Snowden are both very good at setting the edge, mm-hmm. there's matchups to like there, especially if you get Juan Thornhill back, Joey Blunt back. You know, it's 
this game, there was an opportunity here to make a run at the Coastal, and it didn't happen, and it might have been a little bit premature to ex- expect this Virginia team to make that legit run in the Coastal. You know, you mm-hmm. said it best, you know. We haven't beaten Virginia Tech in 14 years, yeah, and we would have had to do that most likely. Right. Uh, something interesting that I saw, the stat, was that if Pitt wins the Coastal this year, then every team except for Virginia would have won the Coastal once in the last six years. That's yeah, nuts. It's weird. That's so weird. <laughs> I mean, the Coastal's <laughs> such a weird place to be. It's kind of like you just roll the dice and see who pops out on the other side to face Clemson. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, at the beginning of the season, everyone's like Miami or Virginia Tech. And yeah. They're very firmly in yeah. the middle of the Coastal. Pre- I'm pretty sure neither of them is going to win the Coastal. Yeah. They would both need help. Yeah. They both need a lot of help. Anyway, one last thing about football. What is one thing you're looking for next week against Liberty? I know we already said get people healthy. What about something else to work on? I want to see explosive plays. Mm-hmm. I think you can only win. You know, Jeff White said it really well when we had him on as a guest a couple weeks ago. The margin for error is just so slim with this team. You know, a couple plays here and there are going to decide it. You know, you take you, out that long touchdown run. You take out that, that horse collar. Yeah, that horse yeah. collar. I mean, those are two plays right there that basically won the game for Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. and, you know, I, I was in the stands, did not think that was a horse collar. I went back the next day, looked at it. It was definitely a horse collar call. So it was the right call. It was a stupid play by Brown, who the quarterback was going out anyway. He should not have touched him. But, yeah. you know, it happens, and we just got to get over it and look at the next week for Liberty. Yeah, but, I mean, if we can get some explosive plays, get some chunk plays, mm-hmm. you know, especially in the passing game. Yeah. I think the running game, any explosive play we get is going to be from Bryce Perkins at this point. Mm-hmm. So if we can open up something, you know, deep passes, whether it's Joe Reed, Alameda Zacchaeus, Tavares Kelly, we keep saying, fast guy, if we can get the ball to him. He had a great catch over the middle on third down. It was third and long. He he had a it, he didn't get the first down, but he had this diving catch to um, get a big chunk of yards back. And, you know, I think he's ready to take over for Alameda next year. Very similar type of players, yeah. for sure. So... If we can find ways to get more chunk plays, more explosive plays, I think that help us. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a great point to make is just keeping the team's head up and still looking forward and not looking back to the last game. You know, a lot of mistakes were made, but I, I trust Bronco and the staff to make the changes they need to and really focus the players this week to um, not only focus on Liberty, but also start to look ahead to Georgia Tech. Don't look ahead too far because... Bad things happen to UVA teams that do that. But yeah. but do what you need to do to win this week and then focus on next week. Yeah. Well, is it time? It's time. Let's do basketball. All right, so this is what we're going to do for basketball. We are going to go through the roster. We're going to look at each player individually. We're going to say something that we like, something that we're going to look for this year. And then we're going to do a preseason guys and ties awards list for UVA players. And we're going to do an offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, newcomer of the year, a breakout player, and the best moment that's going to happen this year. So Rob, let's go through the roster. Who is the first person up that we're going to talk about? I mean, I think we just go top to bottom. Let's start with number zero, Kihei Clark. All right. I know this is a guy that you're really excited about. Yeah, I'm excited for Kihei and you know, when he was recruited, everyone's like, oh, he's 5'9 and 150 pounds. You know, what can he bring to this UVA team? But 
the stuff that we're hearing out of the scrimmages is that he is a absolute baller. And I've been um, I've been high on him for a while. He he's got a shot. He can shoot it from the three. He's got a nice floater. He has great vision. And but and that's the thing I think that really drew Tony to him is that he can, he's got vision. He can dribble it up the court. He can pass it, and he knows how to play basketball. Even yeah. though even though his size is not ideal, with that comes a quickness that you know other players don't necessarily have. Yeah, I mean he's a guy that quite frankly I wasn't excited about when we got him you know I was looking for kind of the plan a type players not the plan b Kihei you know with all due respect fell into that plan b Mm -hmm. in the recruiting process but he's a guy that's really shown out you know all reports are from the scrimmages you know through the grapevine but all reports are is that he's shown really well that there could be you know a four to five guard lineup out there at some points where it's Kihei Clark Ty Jerome and uh Kyle Guy all out on the floor at the same time like they're gonna get creative with him to me the biggest thing is does he at least have the threat to finish at the basket you know we saw him finish over DeAndre Hunter but there's got to at least be that threat there otherwise teams will just you know play in but he's a guy that I wasn't very high on a couple months ago and now I'm excited to see how he's going to work into this uh game plan you know if we can get 10 to 15 minutes out of him a game that's fantastic and that's way better than I would have thought. Yeah, he's probably going to take minutes uh when Ty takes a seat and so he'll come in for Ty. He's he's a straight point guard. He is not I mean, his offensive game is there, but he's more of a distributor kind of like London was his first year. He's not going to have the same impact probably as London. Mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully we don't need him to have the same impacts because it'd be got, great if he could. We, hopefully we don't need it. Hopefully we don't need it because we've got Ty who is also a really good point guard. Mm-hmm. Um so hopefully he can come in, he can learn the offense, he can work with the defense a little bit, and hopefully he's not too much of a liability on the defensive end um, to keep him off the court. Because I know, you know, you're not going to play if you don't, if you can't play defense. But from all that we're hearing is that he, he got, he's got it and he's a baller. Yeah, so. it's more, we'll see kind of how the half court defense plays out. But apparently, you know, he's been really good at applying pressure, kind of mm-hmm. starting at the half court or even before half court if you yeah. want him to. So, you know, it, he's feisty. It's hard to score over him if you can't get it past yeah. half court. So, I mean, if you're just if you're able to apply that pressure and just take off a couple seconds on the shot clock, yeah. You know, against our defense, that yeah. helps. All right. Next one is Frankie Badochi, and unfortunately, it has just come out that he is out indefinitely with an undisclosed injury. Yeah. So, not sure really what's going on there. Uh I was really excited about him. He was mm-hmm. a guy that was definitely going to play had really positive reports, you know, especially defensively. He'd been working on his jumper some. Hopefully all is well with him and he'll be able to make a comeback at some yeah, point. We wish him the best. I honestly didn't know what to expect from him besides that he was probably better at defense than his offense. And I know he's got some athleticism, but unclear where he was on the development scale, whether he was like ready to actually contribute or if he was kind of be going to be like a spot player mm-hmm. that would come in for a couple of minutes when there was foul trouble or matchup situations. But uh, unfortunately, he's not going to be able to play this year probably. So we wish him the best. He's still in school, so he's still able to play later. But right now, he is probably not going to play on the team this year. Braxton Key, number two. Braxton Key is the guy that I'm really excited about. I think him being on the floor... And giving us proven depth behind our starters is absolutely huge for the success of this season. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. He's listed as a guard. So 
that kind of tells you how versatile he is. He's 6'8", 225, and he's got that height, but he's also got the ability to score off the dribble. So he's going to be someone who is really going to give us good minutes, especially now that Frankie is not going to play this season, probably. Yep. It's really, really key that... Hey, see what I did there? Hey, hey. oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it is so good that he is able to play this season because otherwise we would have been really scrambling for depth at the three, four, maybe even five position. Yeah. No, I mean, he's a guy that opens up the floor. And, you know, if you want to go super small, he can definitely play the four. He can maybe even play the five if you really need him to, if we're going really yes. small. You know, he's just a guy that opens up all sorts of lineups. Yeah, and he's defensive-minded, so he can guard anyone from the two to the four, maybe even the five if they go small. And so he's just really versatile with how he can play. He can shoot maybe. We I don't yeah. know. I mean, Unclear. I think he's going to be a threat from the corner for sure. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. I hope he's a threat from the wings yeah, as like, well. I mean, like Chris Wright was saying is that Tony's going to find where he can shoot the best, and he's going to give him that opportunity. So I think we're going to have to wait for the season to come actually get into full swing before we actually know what he's going to bring offensively. Mm-hmm. But I think defensively he fits in really well. So I'm excited to see him play. So the number five, Kyle Guy. Kyle Guy. Kyle Guy. To be honest with you, I feel like Kyle Guy has gotten the most disrespect out of anyone on this Virginia team this offseason. Not intentionally, but just because everyone wants to talk about DeAndre Hunter. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to talk about Ty Jerome. Kyle Guy is the one who's making the All-American teams last year. You know, Kyle Guy is one of the best shooters in the ACC and one of the best defenders in the ACC. Yeah, no, he his defense really turned up a notch last season. And I think that was something that people missed because, you know, everyone's focused on his shooting, his offense. He was the highest or he was our leading scorer on our team last year. And, you know, if you're the leading scorer in Virginia, that's not saying much, but mm-hmm. his offense really uh, took a step up last year. He, he wasn't just shooting threes. He was taking it in. He was finishing. He was getting fouled a lot, but not called all the time. But yeah, that's that another, was the worst. Another, he's some of those things. It's another story for another <laughs> time. But you know, he he's someone that people aren't looking at as much, and I think people are focusing more on Ty. You know, he was at the Chris Paul camp this mm-hmm. summer, so I think a lot of people focused on that. And DeAndre is just a specimen of a basketball player, so I think people really focused on him. I, I think that Kyle is still going to bring a lot to the table this year, and if he's forgotten about by other teams. That's fine. Leave Kyle open, please, because <laughs> he will he will drain it in your face. I mean, the opposing defenders know how good he is, how good he is on those curls, especially coming off of ball screens. Mm-hmm. You know, last year he shot about 40% from three, uh, but that was on double the volume that is, he had as a freshman. Mm-hmm. He played about double the minutes, uh, 32.4 minutes. Expect that to go up four to five minutes this year. He's going to be playing all but three or four minutes a game. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kyle Guy, our season very much will be affected positively or negatively based on his performance. Yeah, I think that he's not going to be the leading scorer this year. Ooh. And we're going to get to that later. All but right. I do think that he's not going to be the first option either, which I think is going to take some pressure off of him. He's going to be able to spot up more. Mm-hmm. He's going to be able to c- come off the curls more. Uh, and it really depends on how you know Tony runs the offense. But I think that he's going to have more opportunities this year because other people have stepped up. And other people are going to step up. That's the hope. Yeah. That's the hope. So on to player number 10, Jaden Dixon. He is a... Nixon. 
That's right. <laughs> Jaden Nixon, freshman guard. Uh, do you have any thoughts on him, Dyson? Yeah, he uh, he went to Stab, St. Belfield, which is a local school in Charlottesville. I actually went there for uh, most of my life, and I didn't know him, but excited <laughs> to see uh, a local kid on the team. He's a preferred walk-on, so he's not a he's not a true walk-on, but he he so he can play. He took a extra year at a at a boarding school last year to work on his game, but I, I guess he he just wanted to come home and you know maybe he might get a scholarship later in his in his career if if things don't work out with other people or injuries or you know whatever. But I I, I don't know what he's going to bring. He's a freshman. He's probably not going to play that much except for spot minutes and the in blowouts. So we might get to see a little bit of him at, in the you know the non conference schedule, but probably not as much when UVA really hits ACC schedule. Number 11, Ty Jerome. Big balls tie. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that shot he made against Duke just has to be easily one of my top UVA sports moments. Probably my favorite UVA basketball moment. Yeah. I mean, the guy can play. He He's a really, really good player, and he's got the mentality to really step up his game even farther this year. I think he's a good shooter. He's got NBA range. He can pass the heck out of the ball. And he's an underrated defender, too. He mm-hmm. can really play defense. Yeah. I mean, in that scrimmage, in the blue-white scrimmage, the thing that stood out the most to me was that this is Ty Jerome's team, mm-hmm. and it's going to be Ty Jerome's team this year. It's probably going to be his team next year if he sticks around. If he, unless he leaves. It's, you know, this is Ty Jerome's team. He's the most vocal. The ball clearly runs through him. And I think one thing that kind of stood out, you know, it also showed how small Kihei Clark is, but... Mm-hmm. Kihei Clark on Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome at six foot five is a big point guard. Yeah. You know, if we can find ways where we can use his size more effectively against some smaller guards too, I mean, he loves the ISO plays and he'll pull up and shoot off of those, but he can also get into the lane. He doesn't always look to finish, but he always looks to kick out. You know, there's just, his game has really evolved. I remember his first year when he was more hesitant, mm-hmm. he wasn't as comfortable with the ball. I mean, he looks nine day different than what he was two years ago. Yeah, he had that breakup game against Villanova his freshman year, but he's really come a long way his sophomore year. And this year, I expect him to go even farther. He's probably stronger. Hopefully, he's worked on his shot a lot. Hopefully, he can finish a lot in the paint, mm-hmm. uh, maybe with his mid-range game too, uh, posting up on smaller players. So I'm excited to see what he brings to the table offensively and defensively. I think he's an underrated defender. I think he's an underrated player mm-hmm. as well. So, I, you know, honestly, I think, and we're going to get to him later, but I think UVA's got three of the best players in not just the ACC, but in college basketball, and, and Kyle, Ty, and DeAndre. So, Easily. Well, speaking I, of DeAndre Hunter. Yeah. I, I, did I cut you off? No, 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 no. <laughs> Let's go forward. Well, DeAndre Hunter is our next player, number 12, and easily probably the guy that the national media and also NBA scouts are most excited about. Yeah, he was the ACC Sixth Man of the Year as a freshman last season, and that was after having virtually no impact during the non-conference schedule. He really came out of his shell during the ACC season, really seemed to be unstoppable at times during Mm -hmm. games. I mean, if he put up a shot or was taking someone off the dribble, you just assumed that whatever he would do would be positive for UVA. And there was no time last year during ACC season where I was like, oh God, DeAndre, don't do not do that. Like he is comfortable with the ball. He is confident with the ball. I am 
really looking forward to see where he can take his game this year. Yeah, I mean, he's going to play more minutes. He played, he averaged 20 minutes a game last year. Mm-hmm. Expect that to be 30 to 35 this year. Yeah. You know, his three point percentage on not a low volume was about 38%. I think it's, he shot 55 attempts last year. I think yeah. that'll double probably if, this year. If you look at his three point percentage during non conference compared to ACC, Huge it jumped difference. way, way up. So that 38 is not reflective of how good of a shooter he is. Yeah. You know, I'm just looking for more consistency because it's hard you know you're gonna play 50 percent more than he did last year most likely and he's gonna be a guy that defenses are gonna key in on now i think he absolutely has the talent and the skill and the work ethic to be an incredibly successful player i'm just looking to see how well does he handle it you know he's gonna be the big guy on the court now you know can he handle that pressure and what type of production can he have both for himself and for to help his other teammates. The Ringer had a really good article about DeAndre and how he fits into UVA system. And I think a big part of how, and this is what the article was saying, and I agree with it, is that it depends on how Tony and the rest of the coaching staff use him. Because if he's not, if they're not letting him do certain things with the ball, he's not going to have as good of a year as everyone wants him to have. There's such high expectations for him. And within Tony's system, it is sometimes really hard to, you know, show some of your talent because of how they play offense and how methodical they are. So I I hope, and Tony and the other coaches have said that they made some tweaks Mm -hmm. and they won't tell us what it is because, you know, that's a secret. But but I'm hoping that some of the tweaks come in the offense to give people like Ty, Kyle, especially DeAndre, a little bit more freedom with how they run the ball and how they play in the half court. I agree. So, I mean, he's another guy that is just, you know, you can put him anywhere. He can play guard. He can play the four. He's the zone buster. Mm-hmm. You know, he's very obviously important to the I mean, success of this I mean, that game team. against Syracuse last year, it was all DeAndre. Yeah. You just I mean, put him at the, the at the top of the key and, you know, I, he, he was scoring even everything. Even against Duke. Duke last year, mm-hmm. him going up against Bagley. Yeah. I mean, he owned that matchup. Right. And Bagley looks bad against DeAndre. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people will this yeah, year. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. So on to player number 22, Francisco Cafaro. He will redshirt this season. Uh, we know he had, I think, a knee procedure. Something, something like with that. his leg. Yeah, I think it was his knee. Lower I, extremity. Of course. Lower extremity. <laughs> I, I, don't know. I honestly don't know what, what he had surgery on, but uh, we had reports from my father specifically that, <laughs> that he was seen in a boot, and this was a long time ago. So, But it has come out that... He will probably redshirt the season due to medical reasons. I think that's probably a good thing, too. I think he needs to adjust probably to the defense a little bit. He is an athlete. He He's kind of like Jack Saltzbilt. He's seven foot tall, 233, a little bit um, a little bit taller, a little bit skinnier than Jack, probably not as strong, but he's got, he, he's got um, some skills that he can really bring to our team. He's probably better offensively than Jack is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's definitely not as good defensively yet, but he will learn the pack line. And I am really excited to see him grow up in this system and see him hopefully flourish against some of those ACC big men. Yeah, you know, him along with the next guy we're going to talk about are both kind of true developmental type guys. You mm-hmm. know, they're probably not going to have an impact year one or season one, whenever that may be, whether that's this year or next year. Or even, yeah, year but two. But there's talent and there's something to build on there. Yeah. So that leads us to the next player. Cody Statman. Cody Statman is a guy that I was sure was going to redshirt until 
the press conference until UVA media days when Frankie Badochi was announced that he's on an indefinite leave. So now he might he might play this year. Uh, he's not gonna play this year. I, I mean, I think that he's. I think he should redshirt. I don't think he's ready at um, physically to play uh, in the ACC, especially. He's six seven, one eighty seven, so he's super super skinny. Uh, he he can shoot though. Like he's he's a sharpshooter, mm-hmm. and you know if he he's probably gonna be in the more of a Joe Harris kind of player, you know, starting out. But if he can redshirt and if, if uh, Curtis can get his hands on him and mold him into a, a little bit bigger guy yeah. and he can learn the defense, I think he's going to be great for us. But, you know, this year's not the year for him. We, we've got too many players uh, that will really take his spot away. He's a three, maybe a four in a small guard lineup. I think he's a PR three. PR three, but, you know, he, this is not the year for him. And I think he's going to redshirt. I don't, I, think, I don't think there's any playing time for him unless someone else goes down and like key or... God, God forbid, DeAndre gets hurt. You know he might have to play, but that's like very, very unlikely. Hopefully. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, the thing to me is that right now he's a pure spot up shooter. You know, yep. he doesn't move as well on the curls going along the baseline as a guy like Kyle Guy or Joe Harris back in his day. He's a guy that just he can shoot, mm-hmm. but he's got kind of a funky shot too. You know, he doesn't really jump. He doesn't get a lot of air under his ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but it goes in. It goes in, but if he's not able to get that separation, then yeah. it's going to be hard for him. Just the way he shoots the ball, he's not going to be able to shoot over a lot of people, at I, least at this stage. I think he's a project player, and I, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to see what he can do later years. I don't think this is the year for him. I, I really don't. I, I don't see any situation unless we have a couple injuries that, that he plays. Yeah, uh, which leads us to player number twenty-four, Marco Anthony. Marco is probably a two or a three, depending on what lineups you put him in. Uh, he's a guy that played a little bit last year, obviously impressed against Louisville. The question is, what type of role does he have this year? If, you know, with Frankie going out now, he had maybe an eight, maybe the ninth player in the rotation role. Now he's got a chance to, you know, see if he can get more minutes. You know, he's, he's probably the eighth player off the bench behind, or ninth player off the bench behind Kihei and, uh, Jay and also Braxton Key, Key. Braxton Key, yeah. So I think he's that ninth guy. He's probably going to get some minutes for either Ty or Kyle and uh, maybe Dre too if if we want to go kind of small with the three. But, you know, he's a guy who who has some talent but, you know, might get lost in the offense based on who's on the floor. And last year he did have a good game against Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard he's he slimmed down a little bit, maybe hopefully got a little bit quicker. I think this is not the year for him to to play. And I like what Chris Wright said last year like about the slow cooker. So if he takes his time, if he really kind of buys into the system, he could be really good down the road. Mm-hmm. And right now, I don't think with the players that we have, we know with Kyle, Ty, DeAndre, Key, I think that there's four people, really five with Kihei, that fit better into our system than he does right now. You know, we'll see how it all plays out. People, there's been, I know when he first came in, people were like, oh, he's built like Malcolm Brogdon. I was Mm -hmm. like, well, guess what? He's not like Malcolm Brogdon. And now people are like, well, maybe he's kind of like this slow cooker, like Devin Mm -hmm. Hall. 
you know, with all due respect to Marco Anthony, uh, Devin Hall had a lot more talent when he came in here, just ability to finish at the rim. He didn't have that consistency, but you could always tell the talent was there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Marco, I hope he can carve out a role. It's better for everyone if he can carve out a role. And the effort is there. You can definitely tell the effort and the passion is there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we'll see what he can kind of put together this year. Are there the minutes for him? And right now, I don't don't think there's as many minutes for him as as there were probably when when Kihei was less more probably more underrated than he is now. Yeah. I think we're gonna see more Kihei, less Marco. Yeah. Honestly. So with that, we'll bring it up to number twenty five, Mamadi Diakite. He's probably gonna start this year. Yeah, I would be really surprised if he didn't start. Someone some idiot like <laughs> in the national media said that he was not gonna start and I was like, Who are you? I, I it might have been Rostein. Am I it was someone like big who said that uh braxton key was gonna start over momdy and i don't believe that i think that's dumb i mean momdy's got to start he was really coming on at the end of last year he's a six nine forward at 228 put on some you know good moves and he's good defensively too sometimes he um uh gets a little bit he can get lost a little bit but mm-hmm. i think this year that he's had this is a his this is gonna be his fourth year doing doing the pack line yeah so i think by this year he should be really good. You know, the third year's kind of always been the more or less the breakout year for those forward type players. You know, you look at, uh, you go back to Akil, mm-hmm. you go back to Darion, and you go back to Isaiah. All of them had really good third years and then really good fourth years. And I think Mamadi is the best offensively out of the four of them. I mean, right. I think just pure athleticism, he's off the charts he is better a, than any of them. He is a specimen. I mean, he can jump out of the roof. Yeah. You know, just looking at minutes, he played 15.6 minutes a game last year. That'll up probably to the 20 to 25 range. Yeah. If he can just avoid some fouls, then I think he has the chance to be a really good player. And the thing that has me most excited about was just seeing him in the blue-white scrimmage mm-hmm. is that he's expanded his game. And I don't know if it'll necessarily translate to regular season, mm-hmm. but he took a baseline fader that went mm-hmm. in. He took a corner three that went in. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't attempt a three-point shot at all last year and if that's a legit part of his game if he can be a three-point corner shooter you know that's a huge ability to spread the floor because what we had with isaiah wilkins and when he was on the floor with jack salt was they were pure screeners you know Mm -hmm. they were neither was going to stretch the floor with their jump shot now if we have guys that can be the blocker but also have the ability to pop out yeah i mean that opens up way more options for the offense and we'll talk about jay later but i think mommy's got that shot uh, like a little bit like he's not like great like but he could probably shoot i'm guessing around 30 percent, maybe 25 yeah i but mean i don't think it'll be a threat i really don't at the top of the key i really don't want him shooting much but i want him posting up i want him doing some hook shots i want him moving around a lot because he's got some skill down low yeah you know we're hearing things from a couple scrimmages the through great, the grapevine the grapevine. of course but apparently our, our he <laughs> Apparently, he's shown some good back-to-the-basket moves, and it looks like he's really improved his, you know, face-up moves, too. Yeah, from one of our sources, he, quote, went to work against the Villanova front court. So, we don't know what that means. <laughs> um, our source will rena- r- remain anonymous, but I'm really excited for him this year. He, and I'm going to say this. He is my favorite player to watch on the court. He loves basketball. He loves playing the game. He gets excited about everything yep. he is emotional in a good way um he he doesn't let people get the best of him 
and he always smiles. His smile is contagious. I yeah. love it. It's kind of like Justin Anderson. Yeah. He's kind of the same way. Yeah, he's got that energy. He's got that bounce, that pop. That yeah. He, he, and you know, when he's happy, we're all happy. He was coming it's off the infectious. bench. Yeah, he was coming off the bench last year. But this year, I mean, you know, if every, he's got NBA-level athleticism. No doubt. So no doubt. if he, I mean, people are saying like he's a like, long, dark horse to go to the NBA after this year. But even after his senior year, I think he would have a good shot to go depending on how well he develops if he can expand his offensive game mm-hmm. and just be more consistent with fouls just giving him the ability to stay on the court longer i think he's a guy that can surprise people this year i mean look at what jack salt did last year you know jack salt and we'll, we'll talk about him in a little bit but jack salt really didn't foul out last year and you know he was known as this foul hack a hack a person yeah. but you know last year he did really well i don't remember him fouling out of a game yeah i don't think he did I have no idea. I, <laughs> don't quote me on that, but I don't think he fouled out of a game last year. So, I mean, if Mamadi can play consistent minutes, that'll be mm-hmm. big. Because I think he has expanded his offensive game. Yeah. Jay Huff, speaking of an expanded offensive game, mm-hmm. I think the biggest takeaway I had when Frankie was announced he's out indefinitely is, here's the opening for Jay Huff. Jay yeah. Huff is going to play minutes this year, and he's going to have the chance to show that what he did in the blue-white scrimmage wasn't a fluke. Yeah. Jay Huff, and I, I said this last week, I mean, he has the ability to be the best offensive player on the floor for UVA. And that even includes DeAndre. You know, he's, he can he can really shoot it. He's got good post moves. And he's kind of this unicorn player that UVA hasn't really had before. But once again, I think his defense was lacking, and, you know, we didn't really need him last year. But I think this year he's going to have to play. He's probably going to be the first big off the bench. Um, he'll probably be either the second or third guy off the bench, depending on how people are playing, depending on how you know fouls go. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited for him to have an expanded role this season. I think once again we go back to the coaching staff, we go back to Tony, and we have to see how they tweak the offense because the offense doesn't really work for Jay unless he picks and pops every time or yeah. rolls to the basket, and so. If they can really kind of fit him in there and make sure he doesn't get too lost on defense, I think that works out really well for UVA. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest threat he adds on the offensive end is just the ability. If he pops out, he can shoot, but he can also shoot over people. You know, yeah. not many people, I don't know if anybody's going to be able to block a shot. He's 7 1. Like, he's going to be just straight up able to shoot over people. And he showed you know, tremendous hustle in the scrimmage. You know, he followed his own shot and got mm-hmm. a dunk one time. And and he's athletic, too. He's insanely athletic. I think the biggest things for him is, one, just strength. You know, can mm-hmm. he bang down low when he needs to to get mm-hmm. those boards? And two, his feet. You know, he's a, he's a big guy. He's a tall guy. Just can he shuffle his feet? Can he be, get in the right position? Yeah. Because just by virtue of being in good position on the court, just with his height and athleticism, that might be all that he really needs. Yeah, you know, and I think a, someone that's easy to relate him to is Frank Kaminsky for Wisconsin. And I think that it might take a little bit more time to get Jay going, but I think he will start the process this year of becoming a star. Yeah. And I think going into his third and his fourth year at UVA, he's going to be a player that is going to lead the team in offense. I really do. And I think that it might take a little bit longer just with development wise and defensive wise, but he when he, he will find the court at some point this season and he will be a good offensive presence for UVA. 
And whether whether that is more this year or whether it starts more next year is yet to be seen. Frank Kaminsky to the ideal comp. You know, yeah. that's what you want him to get towards. <laughs> you want <It's>... <laughs> everyone to be Frank Kaminsky at the end. The thing is, is that Tony Bennett and his time at Virginia has never really had a player like him. You know, he's truly a unique type of player. And I mean, maybe Mike Scott is as close to you get, but they're even mm-hmm. such different players. You know, there's just no one player that's like, oh yeah, Jay Huff is just like that. Because we say that with Mamadi Diakite. Yeah. He's like, oh, it's like Akil Mitchell, Darion Atkins, but this. You know, Kyle Guy's like Joe Harris, but this. Yeah. Jay Huff, there's no comparison. We no. just really haven't had a guy like him. No, I mean, and even Mike Scott's not a great comparison. I mean, he's way taller than Mike yeah. Scott was. Mike Scott didn't shoot threes when he was at UVA. I mean, he did a little bit, but like he was not known for it at yeah. all. And Jay Huff is a really interesting skill set mm-hmm. with what he has and what he can do. So I'm. it'll be interesting to see how many minutes he gets a game. And it's going to be interesting to see what situations the coaches put him in in order to succeed. Yeah. And I think that's something to look for is like, what can the coaches do to really enhance what he's got and kind of decrease his liabilities? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's going to play like, a four or if he's just going to be an exclusive small ball five Mm -hmm. i mean we just don't know and hopefully in the you know uh early season non-conference games tony bennett will experiment with some lineups see kind of how he fits in but you know he played so sparingly last year only eight minutes a game and all of those were really in the non-conference portion of the schedule we're just gonna have to wait and see yeah tony likes to experiment with his lineups a lot during the non-conference portion of the schedule so that's when we're really going to see what he likes to do and what he does do. And by ACC season, we will know what he's thinking and what he likes to do with his lineup. So we'll probably see who comes off the bench first. My guess is key. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see when that person comes off the bench, probably at the under 16 or afterwards. And we're going to see who else plays. You yeah. know, Kihei's going to get minutes. Jay Huff's going to get minutes. Marco might get minutes depending on, you know, the situation but i think those are the three and four main guys that are going to get minutes yeah which leads us into jack salt jack Uh salt somehow became a three-year starter at virginia (laughs) not planned if austin nichols stuck it out two years jack salt might be starting for the first time this season r.i.p r.i.p but jack salt you know third year starter at virginia six foot ten obviously really physical guy not the best offensive game. I still laugh every time he tries to shoot a free throw, but he's turned out to be a really solid piece of the puzzle. Not I, super talented, but he's found his role. I really like Jack Salt, and I'm a really big Jack Salt fan. I know a lot of people like get on him for not <laughs> being able to do much offensively, but he doesn't have to do much. And his role is to be the defensive presence, the kind of like the big body. My favorite video of all time is the screen compilation of him <laughs> to the song, Let the Bodies Hit the Floor. And we can link it in the description. But <laughs> I mean, it, it really shows what he, what his talent is. And his talent is leading the team and setting the presence for the team. And I think that he's really come into his role. He also has got cut this offseason. Like there was a picture of him with a before and after. And there was a little flab there before, <laughs> but afterwards there was nothing. There was solid, solid muscle. He's going to be a force to be reckoned with this season. I think that he's going to be really good on defense. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll definitely be on defense. He played about twenty minutes a game last year. That'll probably be about the same this year. 
you know, everything you said is true. To me, Jack Salt is the Jordan Ellis of football. You know, what he's fine at what he does, <laughs> but there's just more to be desired. And I like that he sets good screens. I like that he plays good defense. I, but I do want a center that can add a little bit more to his offensive game. You just that, don't like the heart of the basketball <laughs> team. He is the I heart like of, the flash. He is the heart of the basketball team. He's not, I, he's I not, think we'll get to this. We'll get to that. He's not the, he's not the arms. He's not the brains. He's not the legs, but he is the heart. He, he helps the team go. No question. <laughs> he has a big role this season. Yeah. So with that, we'll move on to our last player. Uh, Austin Castra, another Charlottesville guy, Albemarle guy, uh, you know, second year at the program. Do you have any thoughts on him? Yeah. He went to Albemarle, you know, who's a star player for Albemarle and, Came to UVA. He probably could have gone somewhere else if he wanted to, but his I know his dad played at UVA a while back, and I think he wanted to stay home. And you know he's a good guy. I've, I met him once, I think, and he's really nice. Uh, he's a good player too. Like he's not a bad player at all. Like when he gets on the floor at the end of games, like he can stick with some people. And uh, he's he's only six six two seventeen. He's a forward, so he doesn't have great size. And his athletic he he's okay athleticism, but you know. He's a he's a walk on and yeah. he's a great bench player. He works with the with the green team, and um, is that that's that's what they're called, right? At one point, I know they like switch they switched it up it a little point, bit. Yeah. At one point, they were the green team. I feel like it changed. I think it changed something else. I forget. I don't know. Okay, but anyway, <laughs> we love him. He, he's a he's a good walk on, and you know he'll find his minutes at the end of um, some games in the non conference, and hopefully some during ACC too. But. You know, he'll he'll find his minutes, and he's a good player. Uh, he's a good guy. Good guy. So with that, I think it's time we move into the first annual Guys and Ties preseason awards list. For basketball. For basketball. <laughs> <laughs> That's the official title. Guys and Ties preseason award list for basketball. It might be footnoted. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so we're going to go through, and we, we said the, the list earlier, what, what it's going to be, but we're going to do Offensive Player of the Year. We're going to do Defensive Player of the Year. We're going to do Newcomer of the Year, Breakout Player, and Best Moment. First up is Offensive Player of the Year. Who do you got? Got Ty Jerome. And I'll tell you, I was on the fence between Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy. But I think Ty Jerome just has the command of the offense, that everything truly runs through him. And with his ability to stretch the floor and also just his ability, I think he's going to improve a lot as a distributor this year. Not that he was bad last year. But last year, you still had a senior in Devin Hall. Mm-hmm. You know, Isaiah Wilkins could move the ball from the block. This year, it's going to be Ty Jerome. Yeah. I had, who do you have? I had Dre. You know, I've his, his, he's flowing with offensive talent. I mean, you can't really ignore it. And I'm really looking for him to be able to go one-on-one with really anyone in the conference. If you put a small guy on him, he'll, he'll run him over. If you put a big guy on him, he'll go around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can shoot. He can... Uh, he can create his own shot. He can take you off the dribble. I think if Tony and the staff can really tweak the offense to make him useful, he's going to shine. He's going to blow people away this year. Like, I, he's my offensive player of the like, year. I just want to put this on pause for a moment and say, I was stuck between Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy. Yeah. You went with DeAndre Hunter. Yeah. There's a lot of weapons on the floor. We've. I think this team is going to be better offensively than most teams at UVA. Maybe even better than the 2016 team with Malcolm and uh, London and Anthony Gill. Yeah. But I think that it'll be really interesting to see who steps up. And I think any three of those guys can put 30 on someone on a night. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to move on to the Defensive Player of the Year. Who do you have, Rob? 
I've got DeAndre Hunter. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, do, do you have someone else? Yeah. Dustin and I, 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 I haven't shared this we didn't just share, for you guys, yeah, we, so you know. We came up with this before the pod started. We So this is a surprise for us, but Rob, I want to hear why you why you picked uh, Dre. I mean, because he can play the two through the four, mm-hmm. and he has such great length. You know, yeah. if you, you put him on the two guard, hell, if you put him on the point guard from time to time, and just, oh, you know he's going to have to shoot, you put him on the point guard, that length is going to pay dividends. I mean, you can play him the two through the four, and he's just so athletic. And I think he's going to really, not that he was bad fundamentally last year, but I think mm-hmm. you're going to see the fundamentals kind of take their foothold. Yeah. I just think he's going to be a really great player. Uh, I've got, I said Mamadi. But I, I, I like, thought about Mamadi. I like Dre a lot too. You know, Dre's got the seven two wingspan, but Mamadi is someone who I think is going to really step up this season. I think that he's going to play a lot more than he did last year. I think he's going to have to play a lot more than people expect too, just for his offense as well as the defense. He is quick enough to to hedge and get back. He mm-hmm. can block shots. I mean, God, he can block shots. But <laughs> um, I, I I said Mamadi, but. I might change it to Dre. I like I like what you said. I thought about Dre, but I already had him as offensive, so I didn't want to put him at both. I mean, he's just MVP, maybe. I maybe, but we don't have that. We have offensive <laughs> player of the year, defensive player of the year. Um, but I had Mamadi, so okay. I think there's right. arguments to be made for him and DeAndre. I, mean, I think there's arguments Kyle. to be made you Kyle, Kyle and Ty. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you even want to go there, Jack Salt. Jack. Well, <laughs> you know, everyone's going to be a good defender you know, on the floor. The thing about Jack is that he doesn't. You know, you talk about the doesn't show up in the box score, but you know what he does does not show up the the screens that yeah. that kill people, and then also uh, altering shots. He's a big body. You can't really if you run into him, you're going to fall down. Mm-hmm. Like, he is a big guy. I, I yeah. There's arguments to be made for literally everyone on the court. I mean, I, I like DeAndre Hunter, yeah. but I I okay. would listen to every argument. Fair enough. All right, next one is newcomer of the year, Rob. Who are you going to say? There's really only a couple here that we could choose from. Yeah, we started as, what, like freshman of the year? Yeah. And then realized that's probably going to be Kihei Clark. Ro- I said I said rookie of the year. Rookie, that works. Which then which then Rob changed to newcomer of the year. Because I'm going to say Braxton Key. Right. Which, you know, he'll be a junior, but I think he's just going to be awesome. I think that he's a different player than Anthony Gill, but that same type of impact Anthony Gill had his mm-hmm. first year eligible here. I think you're going to see... A similar type of impact with Braxton Key. I said Kihei. All right. I, I, you know, I wanted to. I knew you were going to say Braxton, so I said <laughs> Kihei. But I, I think he's going to have a much bigger impact than people think. I think he's going to disrupt people. I think that his quickness is really going to surprise a lot of people. I think that he's going to bring something to the offense that you know we we tried to have last year with uh, Nigel. With Nigel, yeah, and. I, I, you know, we had it, but I think Kihei is a better overall player and there's only room to grow. So I'm going to say Kihei. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely a guy that I'm way more excited about him now than I was a couple months ago. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we could have said Statman or Kafaro, but, you know, I don't think either of them are really going to play that or or Frankie. Yeah. No, Frankie Frankie could have had an argument there until his leave. Yeah. Kafaro medically is just most likely going to redshirt. And Statman, I think is going to redshirt for physically because <laughs> Mike Curtis looked at him and said, give me a yeah. year with him and he'll be a changed man. We all hope. We all hope. <laughs> all right. So I guess next would be breakout player. Of the yes. Year. Who do you have? Mamadi. See, I was going back and forth between Mamadi and Jay Hoff. Oh, okay. Why do you think Mamadi? I think Mamadi, because if you look to the end of last season, uh, during, especially during the ACC tournament, 
there was times when Mamadi would hit, you know, fadeaway shots. He was taking people off the dribble. He was posting up. And as you said, like he, he hit a corner three in the blue white scrimmage. I think that his offensive game is really going to take a step up as well as his defensive game. I think Tony's going to trust him sometimes as the five mm-hmm. on the court. You know, I think he can be the five with key DeAndre, Ty, and Kyle. And that might be our five to end the game yeah. during ACC play. I really do. So I think that Mamadi is really going to take a step up and, you know, hopefully he will bloom into this player that, you know, we saw, we, we, we know the athleticism is there, but can he put it all together this season? I mean, everything he just said was every, every reason why I was considering Mamadi. I ended up going with Jay Huff. Mm-hmm. Jay Huff, I don't know. I just, I don't know what to make of him. I, yeah. You know, the rational person in me says, like, calm down. Like, we've never really seen him do anything in a meaningful game. But it's so exciting. But, like, Every we just time can't he stop talking in. about yeah. him. And then it's not like he put a dud out there on the blue-white scrimmage. No. Now, and then, of course, you have to handicap that and be like, oh, well, how hard were they really trying? Mm-hmm. Were they really physical? But there's there's so much talent there that I just want to see. I want to see something. Yeah. And, you know, with uh frankie going down you know at least indefinitely you know we'll see what that exactly means there's so much more room for him to play this year now he'll play there's no choice but to play he's got to he's got to because there's really only three you know big men with jack and mommy and jay yeah so he's he'll he'll play yeah i mean the really i think the biggest determinant of his playing time is going to be how well braxton key can play at the four if mm -hmm. they wanted to play at the four obviously a very different player than jay huff but Mamadi is probably going to start at the four. Yeah. And then when Mamadi's not in the game, it'll be either, you know, Jay Huff's going to have a chance. It's going to be Jay Huff or Braxton Key. Or DeAndre. Or DeAndre. That's true. Yeah. I mean, but Jay Huff obviously presents a very different skill set than that's those true. other guys. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I like the Mamadi pick. I really like the Mamadi I pick. I like the Mamadi pick too. I think, I think, I think he's really going to surprise some people this season. Okay. And our last thing is best moment this season. And for, those who are wondering, Rob and I both made up a story, an elaborate story that we hope is going to happen. It has nothing to do with the ACC tournament or NCAA <laughs> tournament. It's just a moment that will happen during the game that will define the highlight reels for the season. So, Rob, what is your best moment of the season? We kind of saw it last year, you know, that tie drum three versus Duke. Mm-hmm. Maybe we hit something like that in JPJ. Uh-huh. You know, maybe there's a buzzer beater to beat Duke. Okay. I'd love to see that. Yeah. I'd love just to see the, a big matchup like it was last mm-hmm. year. Like last year was number two versus number four. Top five matchup. Yeah. I'd love that. Not on CBS, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, I I like that. Mine was also against Duke, but mine was a little bit more in depth. All right. I, mine is at JPJ. Jack blocks a Zion Williamson dunk attempt, and then Ty Jerome sends it down the court to DeAndre for an alley-oop, <laughs> and, and the crowd goes nuts. Well, we kind of had that moment against Syracuse. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. With I, Anthony I was basically, Gale? I was it was basically, basically the same I thing. I copied it from, <laughs> from the Syracuse game. <laughs> yeah, no, but that, that um, the London Parentis. I think it was to, to Akil Mitchell. Yeah, it was to Akil. And then the shot, it pans out, and you got and Anthony Gill. Anthony Gill's losing his mind, yeah. Oh, my God, that game, that season. Anyway. Those are our preseason guys and ties picks for, for basketball. basketball. Yeah. So awards for basketball. <laughs> Sorry. 
All right, but and that's our quick rundown of the players this season, and we'll we'll give grades as the season goes forward. Probably after non-conference schedule, I would say, uh, when there's kind of a halftime. But I think that we have a good group of players. I'm really excited to see how they, you know, how the pieces fit together this season. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be excited about, but there's also a lot of unknowns. Yeah, you know, last year going into this time, the talk was more on Jay Huff than DeAndre Hunter, mm-hmm. but you kind of knew what you were getting. And remember, last year was supposed to be kind of a developmental type of season. You know, it was the first year starting for Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome week to week. Mm-hmm. Jay Huff, you know, or sorry, Jack Salt. Jack Salt had started, but wasn't really that special. And, at and least London, at the time. London had just graduated yeah. at point guard of four years. Not to mention all the transfers, which is why we weren't ranked to start the season. Which was dumb. So, I mean, last year it was different, but... I don't know. I mean, the, every season's different. Every season's different. But there's just a lot of excitement. And the starters are going to be really good. And the bench is kind of where there's excitement and because we don't know what's going to happen there. For now, I think we are going to wrap up this episode of basketball. So, Rob, let's give some shout-outs. Some yells. Yeah, so I'll give my yell to Joe Harris. Obviously a really good player at Virginia. A guy that took a little bit of time to adjust the nba but he's doing very well right now with the nets he's second in the nba in three-point percentage he's seventh in total three-pointers made you know he's a guy that made a lot of money last year with his new contract and it's carved out a role and it's just good to see it's just good to see him and akil mitchell being kind of the foundation of that first tony bennett class now joe harris is you know a nba player that you got to respect this wound that's Swim. all I have to say. Maybe not with that beard, though. <laughs> I like it. I like the beard. I'm a team beard. <laughs> but my shout-out goes to Taquan Smoke Mizell, who was recently called up to the Bears uh, team from their practice squad, and he played today, and he did okay for his first game. So I'm excited for him. Hopefully he can carve out a little niche with them. He's a he's a good player, but uh, unclear if he, he's going to stay. Unfortunately, Kyle Long, who is a Charlottesville native, brother of Chris Long, uh, was placed on IR, so that's why he was called up. Because you know, trade an offensive lineman for a small running back. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So uh, shout out to Smoke Myself for for getting on that Bears team. So with that, that wraps up our first annual what's the guys and ties <laughs> award preseason for, award for for basketball, basketball. <laughs> episode. So don't, we'll trademark that. We'll, yeah, don't, <laughs> don't no, copy. No us. one steal that name from us. <laughs> But with that, I think we're going to end the episode here. So make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Snapchat at Guys and Ties Pod. Follow us on iTunes or Podbean if you want to hear more. And we'll see you guys next week. Big week. Go Hoos. Go Hoos. Beat Townsend. cars like these on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented 
They'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.